Welcome to the Yeshiva Shalmayla. This is David Lichtenstein. This week, our topic will be, what do we speak about on the air? What do we speak about Barabim and what don't we? What do we keep Bitsina? And this week's topic was inspired by the following two phone calls. Come on, uh, Mr. Lichtenstein, get real. Um, you, you put a lot of uh, topics on this, these shows that are for adults and not for children, not for teenagers. Um, anything that talking about um, marriage, private part of marriage, you talk about it many times, and so on and so forth. Put aside molestation. Come on, get real. You you talk about a lot of stuff that it's way better for the children not to hear. Don't deny that. Come on, please. Yes, I heard at the beginning of your show about um, a problem I've had with your show. How uh, you have sensitive topics uh, that Bachman should not be hearing. You gave two reasons why you thought that was okay. Number one, you said that the Torah is making a matzo. That the Torah, as long as it's done in the context of Torah, it won't be any hurt. Same way Bachman could learn that passing Kubis, it won't be Mahar. It's very sure to say sort of thing because it's Dafka, we're learning the Ian, it's Hamaka, a sequel of Shema, Shem Shemaim, we're doing Matzah Hashem, we're learning the Ian, we're sharing Rachleinim. I called up both of these guests. One I couldn't get through to, I tried a few times. The other one would not come on the air. I asked him, would he come on the air to explain his position? He wouldn't. So we went to the Rabbanim themselves. We decided we'll take one from each community. We took Ramea Schiller. He's a Skvera and a Mechanach for 35 years to try to explain the uh, Skvera Shita, or not so much Skvera, but the Chesidah Shita. And Skvera, by the way, we, we, we post online that in one of their Chumashim, they actually take out the story of Light and his daughters, as well as Yehuda and Tamar. So not only do they believe in Speaking about it, they actually exercise it out of the Chumash. Then we're going to have from uh, Florida, we're going to have uh, America's rabbi, Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg. He's also now the Rashiva of the Yeshiva of South Florida, the more modern Orthodox opinion. Then we're going to have Rabbi Yitzchak Frankfurter from Ami Magazine, who really wrote the Talmud of Brisk, as well as also, quote-unquote, sort of like the Hamish opinion. And he's going to speak about the flack he took for writing about the, the Walter story, you know, the fellow who committed suicide in Eretz Yisrael. And interestingly, how many of the, most of the other magazines didn't cover it. I don't believe the Mishpacha covered it. In fact, the Mishpacha refused to take our air this week, the topic of the ad being what are sensitive topics that we can or can't talk about. They're so careful, they're so uh, maybe gun-shy, I don't know what the right word is, but uh, we reached out to Rabbi Neuberger from Mishpacha to ask him if he would explain their opinion, and we couldn't get from them either a position as to why they wouldn't uh, put it, take even an ad about it. And then we have to, from the yeshiva world, we have Rabbi Shetaub, Talmud of Lakewood, a Musmach of Lakewood, etc., explain more the yeshiva point of view. So it should be a really, make for a very interesting program. Now here's one more interesting phone call I got. We were speaking about mitzvah tances uh, last week and about Dvarim Shalchiba, Bafahesya, the Ramah that says we would not know you that way, we don't do that. And here's a woman who spoke about something that I personally have encountered as well and gives me a lot of unease. I'm wondering about um, openly affectionate poses of Hassan and Kala. Um, sometimes I look at wedding albums or even walk in someone's house and they have um, photos on the wall or whatever and, and you could almost blush from some of the and I'd like to hear your opinion, our listener's opinion on it, because it makes me very uncomfortable. 
I can't believe any of you will find a picture of your Baba, your Zayda back in the Haim embracing. You know what I mean? It was, it was, and, and to me, you know, people ask me, why are you so opposed to like marching, standing, when the Hassan and Kala come down? And the answer is, I think it comes from, it's not Bechukai Sayyam, the Marik narrowly defines Bechukai Sayyam. It doesn't come from a Yiddish place, put it that way. It's coming from Hollywood. And that's why standing up to me, it's just a vote, a vote for Hollywood. And these pictures, besides the Ramah, that it's Varam Shalchiba, it's also, it's a vote to our where Western culture has really stepped right into the forefront of our homes. Before we go to our guests, I would like to present the arguments on both sides of the case. Well, in most yeshivas, we teach the story of light and the story of Yehuda and Tamar. And why is that? Because we say, just like a mikvah, mayim is metayr, tayr is metayr. And while we're learning, there's no irurim. We teach Parsha Saita, the same thing, the story of the Saita. And here we found some interesting. Here's a letter from the Tzemach Tzedek of Lubavitch. It's in Simon Yud Beis. And the Shoyal asks him that can they take out of the Chumash, or at least refuse to teach the Bachram, the Parshas that have to do, they're not proper. It's just not proper to teach these stories to children. And what does the Tzemach Tzedek answer? How could it enter our minds to take out or to skip of the Torah of Moshe Eved Hashem and to say with our very human Seichel that they're not needed, they're not important they're improper Everything was given by the Rabbi Nishom to Moshe. Is there a chalik of the Torah that didn't come from God? I mean, that's what the Reform believes. We don't believe that. And he says, Whoever says, And he says, brings the Ein Hefresh, brings from the Rambam, Ben the Pesukah, Ubenei Chum Kushu Mitzrayim, Ubein Anoichi Hashem Aleikecha. Pasuk that says, The Bnei Chum are Kush Mitzrayim, and the Pasuk of Bnei have the same Kedusha. Kitoras Hashem Tamimo Tahira. It's a long letter, a beautiful letter. How would we possibly take something out of the Taira? Right? And he brings an interesting rice. He says, a Rayabura. He says, because Unklus was Matargam the Chumash for the Pshutayam who didn't speak Hebrew. It's like translating the Chumash into English or into Spanish. So if he put it there, Right? He means he put those stories there for the common people. Don't say, ooh, it's only for the very holy people, etc. Interesting Tzamech Tzedek. Now from the Chassam Seifer, that's the, the Hasidish world, white Russia. Now let's go now all the way to Prezburg, right, in Oberlander. And what does he write? This Chassam Seifer, at the end of the Mesechtas Nida, writes, Siamnu Mesechtas Nida Yeshiva Harama, because Chassam Seifer had the biggest yeshiva in that part of the world. And he learned it with all his Bachram. He said, we finished it. Ayayim gimel purim katan besim charabim hatalmidim hagunim alufim usubalim. Right, lekabel taharu kedusha alula. Kitsa, he learned nida in Prezburg. Now here's a Talmud, I'm sorry, for the Talmud, the Echad HaMiyuchad was the Marem Shik. Listen to a letter he writes, this is in Yeredei, Kaf Pedalad. Hachayim v'ashalim lahuvi talmidi habacher, to my Talmud the Bacher. Zalman Spitzer, and it's a whole tshuva about Hargoshas Nida, which are clearly very, you know, at least superficially, very intimate halachas, Hargoshas Nida. Talmidi Habacher. And here's from the, the grandson of the Chsam Saifa, the Chsan Saifa. He asks, uh, there was a Shaila, Isha Shieshla Maka Ba'ise Maka, a woman who has a Maka at her birthing area. So clearly, in, we have Labavitch, we have now in Prezburg by the Hamisha. Here's the Ezemikaidish on Shulchan Aruch. 
Ein shum bachar, this is printed in the Shulchan Aruch. Nimno milomid besvar makdashim, evan ezer chav gimel gimel. Dvarim shesh bad tzad hirurim. Chaim Kenevsky goes into, he says, if you're doing it latiris tiri, you don't have to worry about hirurim. So that's from the Ezemi Kaidish in Shulchan Aruch. Now here's a fascinating country, it's called Darka Shultaira, that was signed on it. Rabchaim Halevi Salavechik brisk the litta. Chaim Moisei Grzynski, together with another 20 Rabbanim. Rebel Yefeinshin of Prussian, Rebel Lezer Gordon of Tells, uh, the Minsk, the Gadol from Minsk, etc. And basically it addresses the same thing. People who skip parshas because they're teaching to Yeladim. And he brings a medrash, Yikra, parsha Yotes. Ravu Shmuel, Afop, what does it say? He says, To say it's, it's, it's black, it's a little bit disgusting. means disgusting. And what does, what does Reb Chaim say? And then he, they add on an interesting thing, what a poor impression it makes to the children when they skip over parshas of the Torah. He says, The Torah's Moshe has parts of it, that Rabbeim are embarrassed. And what is the answer? The answer is because Torah is beautiful, Torah is matire, Torah has a skula. And here's the Nitziv in Hamigdavar and Parshish Mitzayra, Tezvav Beis. He says, it says by Parshish Ziva Ziva, V'omartem Aleihem. Fabro B'nei Yisrael, V'omartem Aleihem. Malashin, you don't see anybody. So I could say it and say it again. And he says, why? He says, because Zav, Ziva, Nida, you would think, should I really be teaching this to children? And he answers, and therefore, we do teach it. And it's going all the way down to Rabbi Chaim Kinevsky in Arches Rabbeinu, says that he learned Masech Nida after his Bar Mitzvah. And uh, here's the, from the Kleisenberg Rabbi in Shafa Chaim, he brings, he says, before that, when they, that, uh, when they would learn Hilchas Nida, he would say, Zok, and all the way down to, again, the most and and really from and the uh, and the told us of the Chabina Rav, it's brought over there that the uh, the Chabina Rav who used to moan, why don't they learn Nida with the Bachram in Yeshiva? He would be moan it. And Rav Shmuel Vazner, Shevet Halevi, says that he was a Bacha. He was he was uh, tested by the Salem Rav on Hilchas Mikvois and Hilchas Nida, the big guy, right? Are there those who are opposed? The answer is yes, of course. Baruch Hashem, you know, yeah, the Jews. I always say if two people are saying the same thing, one of them thinking a, a, a Bezdin that's Kulei Chayev. Is, is it's potter because that means they didn't. There's nobody. Nobody could find the other opinion. We found three opinions the other way. The tyr, the, the timer divider from the Ramak says uh, that uh, learning things that maybe day here you shouldn't learn, as well as the Pelayay says the same thing, as well as the Marshag, the Chassidish Apaisik from Hungary, um, the great part. So, we, but the Rubidur and I know that in all the yeshivas I learned, they they do learn Chumash Kesidrei, they do learn the sugyas of Pesach Basuach, they learn all all the kids. The most, you know, uh, and why? Because Tyre is Matire. Tyre is not. That's what I would respond, but that's a Hagdama. But let's hear what our guests have to say. That's why we have them. Before we go to the guests, I'm going to ask the riddle of the week. It says in the Pasik, 
of Yitzchak. It doesn't say that he brought to Avram a carbon, the memory of his uh, of his of his grandfather Avram. So Rashi says, you see from here, Chayiv Adam Bechavit Aviv Yosem Ichvay Ziknei. Or he would have brought for Avram too. That's what Rashi says, and it's a Medrash Rabbah here in Tzadik Daladei. Now the Ramah says brings from the Marik that a person is not Chayiv Bechavit Avi Aviv his grandfather, and Ramah argues. From this medrash, Avada Yimachuyiv and your grandfather, but your father comes first, and then your grandfather. I guess he only had one time to bring one carbon, so he brought it for his father. But for it says, it's at the Vashon, the medrash is Yoyser Mikavi Zeknei, but Avada Yimachuyiv and Zeknei, and that's the Ramah Paskins in Shulchan Aruch, Reish Mem, This is for all the grandfathers out there, or for all the Enikach out there, Yimachuyiv to be Mechabit according to Ramah, your grandfather. But here's the question. In Rashi, in Makis says, it would seem that Rashi holds, there's no Chiyu Bekivit Aviv. It says over there that if a, if a father, Rachman al-Atzvan, killed his son, so the grandson, the, the Ben HaNertzach, is chashiv a goyal hadam leziknai. Why? The ain mechayiv adam lechavid leziknai. And look at the marsha there and the gilyan marsha. So over there he says, since there's no chiv to mechavid your father, your grandfather, you could be a goyal adam for the father. And here it says, no, you mechayiv say to be mechavid your father, as well as your grandfather. So it would seem to be a stira with the Rashi in Makis. Right, you'd base on the of the Viramasl and the Rashi over here in Memvav Aleph. So here's the stira. In Makis, Rashi says the reason why the grandson is Mukhiv to kill the father, Rashi says because he has no Khiv Kibud Av to a grandfather. That's the exact lushan of Rashi. Ainoi Muzar al So how could Rashi say over there, there is any Muzar al-Kfaydai. And by us, Rashi says, That's our stira in the Rashis. That's our riddle of the week. If you want to leave a message by phone or dial in by phone to listen, in America, our number is 732-806-8700. In England, it's 44, like that's the country code, 33-011-70250. In Eretz Yisrael, it's uh zero two three seven two zero three oh four. Let's go to our guests. Joining us from Muncie, New York, is Rabbi Meir Schiller. Meir learned for many years in Skver. He was six years in the Skver Akal. He was in the sister Rebbe for decades, now semi-retired. He still teaches in Munkach. He tutors in Munkach. Welcome, Rabbi Meir. Um, thank you very much for having me. So, Rabbi, we, on this program, not infrequently, talk about topics that we get callers who are upset. For example, two weeks ago, Rabbi Ari Wasserman, who's sort of a fill and he does, I do two weeks, he does the third week, spoke about a scandal that happened in London where a fellow helper was caught for the second time, um, you know, in a, in a, being inappropriate with young women who came to be counseled by him. And the reason it, it was discussed is he, the girl went on the Israeli TV, her face was blacked off, and she spoke, she gave an entire interview about what he did. And the man had done it a number of times before. He had blacklisted before. And he spoke about, you know, molestation, being, you know, being aware of which, you know, quote-unquote rabbis, I don't consider this man a rabbi, are, um, are behaving inappropriately. Communities have to know, we have to safeguard our children. 
And every time one of those things happens, I get people calling up screaming, A, of course, it's Lashon Hara, then, you know, by talking about these topics, you're, 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 there are young people listening, and why should they have to hear these type of things? And it's inappropriate for young people to hear about. That's usually, you know, one of the, uh, uh, sometimes we, we spoke about divorce, similar type of things. Now, I just come from a different background. You know, by us in Yeshiva, we learned all of Kedushin, we learned all of Ksubis, we learned so Yusuf Pesach, Asua, Hara, Kaina Saifi, Kaina Trimuzbi, Kaina. I mean, we didn't learn neither because uh, for some reason, I guess it was, it was uh, it's not a much of a Zeke. How was that? Um, if it was, I don't know if we would have learned it. I know that some Saifa learned it, but it's probably them. Um, what is the Hasidish view of it? And particularly Skver. Why do I say particularly Skver? Because we have a Chumash that the, the story of Light and his daughters and Yehuda and Tamar, the Psukim are missing from the Chumash. They, it, it was from each school in Skver that they actually sort of collapsed the Parshas. So you don't see it, and it's just it's gone. Psukim are gone. And I, on one hand, I can understand their desire. To, why, why should I put words in your mouth? Coming, could you try to explain to us that world? Right. Well, I, I think we have to start with the assumption that that world has, which is dealing with a subject, thinking about a subject, uh, can lead one to be obsessively involved in that subject. So their approach in general is, even when it comes to, to Musa, even when it comes to trying to say what is bad and what is good, they will be very reticent to speak about this subject, uh, filing it under Midas Yosef HaTzadik, and not, not even saying exactly what it is, because their belief is talking leads to thinking, etc., etc. So when it comes to um, Gemara, as you say, they do skip certain sugyas, and in Chumash they try to touch it in such a way that the boy will not understand clearly what's going on. And the same thing even in Halacha, when we encounter in the Pichos um, Yom Kippurim or Tisha uh, the notion of, of Tash Mishamita, uh, they will atten- attempt to translate it in such a way that will not uh, alert the boy to the details of what's going on. I think that everyone would agree, and correct me if I'm wrong, that at a certain age we would all agree about having a certain degree of reticence, and that the question might be at okay. what point do you well, wish to well, introduce well. it? Rabbi Shiloh, I remember learning Chumash, Vayeda Adam is Chavish, and Adam got married to Chavish's wife. I mean, the answer is absolutely. So I think your point is very valid. You know, um, we should not be learning these sugyas with, with, uh, uh, with, with, you know, before my mitzvah age, whatever the age may be, kids find out about the birds and the bees, whatever they be, but today maybe it's younger, but certainly pre-bar mitzvah, I think most of us would agree with you. I certainly do. Right. And, and this much I can tell you, which I think is an interesting vignette, and that is for many years in Sphere, I would learn with Hassanim uh, on the day of their Hassana to introduce them to sort of, you know, Reish Memenyanim. And um, I can tell you that, and again, this is going to sound difficult to believe, but none of them had any idea as to what the nature of sex and marriage was. Now, I'm talking about 1970, 71, so things could have changed over the intervening 50 years, but that, that was the reality. So if it was to remove them from the subject, it, I think it succeeded then. I don't know if it succeeds now. I don't have any knowledge of that. The, the, I think the, the, the response to that, if I was arguing the other side of the coin, would be, well, at some point, the boy is going to have certain urges, and if you leave it not clearly dealt with or explained, you know, he's going to be confused and overwhelmed. So I think at some point, maybe it should be introduced, at, uh, but the question is, at, at what point?
You know, I, what, that's, that's an interesting question. Like when you say about the, the scared boy who's 19 or 20 getting married and didn't know anything, like at some level I envy that boy. Like he could really learn in yeshiva, but could do shantara and not have to, um, not have to be, you know, sidelined with, with, which there's no normal outlet for Allah. So why even? I think that's beautiful. I do. I think if they're able to maintain it, I think that's great. But, 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 but here's, Here's the question, notwithstanding that, and I, I think that is wonderful on some level, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, growing up a certain naivete is beautiful. But even so, you know, I've spoken because we have a lot of callers, and a lot of them call in and they'll talk about experience. Many of them don't want their voices on. They say, please don't put me on, blah, blah. But I've spoken to kids, let's say, who are molested, and they had no idea what was happening. Mm-hmm. Nobody had explained to them the dangers, right? Right. So, right. So on one hand, I envy that Skadara kid who's 19 doesn't know anything. But on the other hand, doesn't shouldn't we be protecting our kids? Don't we want the the Oishim, I'm looking for a word in English. Maybe you can help me. Predators. Yeah. I mean, shouldn't mm-hmm. we be teaching our kids? You know, your body is private. It's yourself. I mean, I know that my grandchildren, right? They 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 use Yankee Hara, which is really wonderful book about fire safety. And one of the things is your body belongs to you, and nobody's allowed to touch it. Except your, right. you know, your parents. You know what I mean. Right. So, if I were to speak to you, put on your Skvera hat now. Okay. I imagine you wear Shrimal Shabbos, Rabbi Shalom. <laughs> yes, I do. So, so put on your Shrimal for this question. You're a you're a Manal and Skvera. You want your boys to be really holy, right? Parush. Right. right. I to you, right? Mm-hmm. And I imagine there are molestation issues in every community. I don't believe it doesn't happen in any community. Do you, mm-hmm. yes. do, sh- should you or shouldn't you be educating your boys? Hey, your body is private, and, and and there are bad people out there. And when they come, you should step forward and talk. Not with, like how do you how would you weigh those right. that dilemma? Right. Uh, I'll answer that in one moment, but first I will add uh, a question coming from that direction, and that is, I was discussing Square in 1970-71. Today, you have many people who live in what I would describe, for lack of a better term, in Hasidish light communities. To some degree, Munkach is that. It, it's catering to those who are not living on Phyllis Terrace, and, and it, that, that element who is trying to achieve a less demanding, plugged-in, hardcore life, their children, to some extent, are open to the world, are open to TV, movies, videos, etc. Not that the Hanhalas want that, but they are open to it. So there you are exposing them, but you're not giving them, in most cases, any hadracha as to how they should deal with it, because you don't really want to acknowledge that that is the way the, the, the lower element of the outlying communities live. But we'll get to that in a second. Let's go back to the first point. Um, the first point, you know, in the old days in the square, and again, I'm talking about early 70s, late 60s, there were incidents of uh, molestation, and the approach in those days was to take the molester and to beat him, and in some cases to beat him to the point where you hospitalized him. And the rest of the olam knew that something bad had been done in the sexual realm. So, I mean, to that extent, they were aware of something. And if I just may add here as a digression, you'd be surprised how much physical fear can motivate people. So it was not necessarily an unsuccessful attempt. Not that I'm advocating we should necessarily do that today for many reasons, but it was not unsuccessful. In any event, though, I think we just, we knew so-and-so had attacked so-and-so. It had some vague sense of sexuality about it. So is that sufficient to protect the 10-year-old from the 15-year-old? 
I don't know. We'd have to sort of compare statistics of that community in those days and their approach to today. I don't know. What we're, what we're missing in all of this are real statistics as to, you know, is there a difference among communities or is there not a difference? So, so Rabbi Schiller, so let me come back to your question, to my question now. Would you educate boys, if you were the Manal of the Yeshiva, kids, right. and say, look, you know, you, you have, you're bound. On one hand, you don't want to talk about anything that has to do with the medium, they call it in Hebrew. Right. On the other mm-hmm. hand, you want kids to be, know how to protect themselves. Would you right. teach them and say, look, there are bad people here who are going to touch you or try to touch your body, and when you go mm-hmm. to the mikvah, or whatever the case is, or do you mm-hmm. say, look, we just don't touch about it because that's going to get kids thinking? What would you do? <laughs> well, again, this is I, I'm a recent appointee to this position, you know, by you. So I have to think about this for a moment. Um, I suspect, again, I'm not sure, I guess I say you, you, you've just given me this position, that you can say that private parts of your body are private. But I, I don't know if I want to get too involved in anything beyond that. But I think that much you might be able to say. It could be they say that today. I really don't know. could be that said today. Okay, so now let's 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 expand a little bit beyond where town where you say the boys don't know anything. Well maybe today it's different. Yeah, it could be. Do know. you think do you think as a Hasidish Mahanah, right? The Hasid Mahanah. Do you think that making people aware and, and, and something else, you said beating up. Well, you you can't beat up today because you'll go to jail. Yes. Right? Which is right, which is what happened to um those who tried to, you know, the 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 the, the, the get, they tried to be quite and all I guess, right? Yes. But public pu- public shaming is very very powerful. I mean, look at what happened to that fellow in Israel. Forget his name. That uh, that uh, that uh, quote unquote that mental health counselor who was attacking women, yes. right? Who was molesting women, and he committed suicide, right? Yes. So public yes. shaming is as powerful, or maybe even more powerful than being up. So. Do you believe, if I put it to you and I said, you know, we have a program here, and on occasion, whatever it is, once a year, we speak about issues like this, and we name the names, and we warn people, and we how to deal with situations like this, and who to go to, and what to act, how to keep your children safe, do you think that serves a, a, a good purpose, or are we going to well, and, and also, uh, another factor here, of course, there are wives and children and grandchildren and families involved as well. So, yeah, shame on the... On one the we, right. Yeah. One is, um, one is uh, as far as... I think those are two different questions. One is about... Like, you're, you're correct. One is about the people themselves, shaming the people themselves, and educating. So, there's three right. different issues. Shaming, educating, and family. Walk me right. through your thoughts on each. But with educating, it's the easiest one. Right. Well, educating before the action or after the action? Well, it's usually what happens is it's like some event that everybody just goes, oh, my goodness, and saying, well, that's what triggers the sort of like, the okay, let's talk about educating, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, but it should be educating before the action because, you know, we had on, what's his name, from Amudim, Steve Glock, and he says that a substantial majority of the suicides we have in our society, which is a remarkably high number, right, it's almost two a week, he says, are because uh-huh. of uh, are, are because of uh, there's a molestation issue in, in behind something. Not not all of them, but many of them. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, and the assumption that public shaming would make uh, a potential perpetrator more reluctant to engage in the activity, just like the beating up in Scaria. Right, 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 right. And or, one or like the Torah says, or like the Torah says, "Laman Yishmu Viro." Right, right. Right, and of course, the beatings in the square were public, also. 
So it's not like that was not something that reflected upon the family as well. I mean, I know I know one particular case um, in which the the father was uh, the father of the perpetrator was a very well respected, uh, huge Tamil Chacham, sweet Adla guy, and I mean he was plunged into such a sadness over this. He didn't emerge from his house for I think a week after the event happened, and um, I don't know if he ever recovered from it. So again, there's a lot around around the the perpetrator himself. I think I would be reluctant to do it. I think I would um, use education. I would discuss. I, I, I would be reluctant. There's, there's so many other victims here. And there's the grandkids. That can, I think I'd be reluctant. But, but, but again, Rabbi, yeah. a question for you. Let me ask you. In the Torah, there is uh, um, um, uh, public execution. Uh, right. Yeah, yes. it's full of public execution, mm-hmm. right? Did you have where you went? Did they have the, that intense grade bio? We didn't have 
didn't have bio, period. Not 10th grade, not 9th grade, not 11th grade. There was no bio. I see. Okay, all right, very good. So you didn't encounter the problem. Um, yeah, I, I think that there might be some worthwhile. Now, again, you, there are two questions here. There's me in the ideal, and then there's what the square or bells or visions or something would think. So let me let me put on both, hat, both hats here. First of all, they think. They, they would think it's not worthwhile. It's not going, worthwhile going into the details. Even if you present it in a, in a caduceus format, they would probably say it's not worth stirring up the hornet's nest of visualization of depiction, that it's simply not worth the cost. That's, that's what they would say. For myself, I don't know. Uh, many areas of their, of their educational system, I feel, should have more self-reflection. And I think that's one of the drawbacks of, of, of their kind of system, and as well as of many kind of systems, the ability to step outside it and to think about it creatively. Are, are we so convinced in the Hasidic and to some degree Yeshivish world that 10 hours of Gemara for every Talmud, once he reaches age 13, 14, that is, that is the best way to go about breeding a Gishmak and a Cheshik for learning? I'm not so sure. But again, they don't self-reflect well. These communities don't self-reflect well. So is there a better way to go about it? to learn Sifre Musa, to learn Sifre Yira, that discuss these things. I would go a step further in this and tell you that the approach to these in Yonim, let's say, in Satma, or in Toldus Aaron, is far more explicit than, let's say, Square or Bells. In other words, their approach to these things is, although not to vividly depict, but certainly to speak a great length about the Tahara and Hihure Avera and, and worse. So they do put these things on the table in much more uh, ruthless uh, fashion, whereas, again, Square and others, and the Babish comes to mind in this regard, they believe the less you talk about, the less you think about, the better off it's going to be in the long run. And as I said before, we don't have the stats. We need sort of the, the Pew survey of Hihuri Aveira amongst different Hasidic groups. And until um, we have that, I'm not so sure if it turns out better. I don't know. Amishullah, thank you very much for your time. It's a pleasure always to have a hasoch with you and everything. Joining us from South Florida is Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg. He's the rub of Boca Raton Synagogue, which if it's not the largest, Orthodox Shul in America, it's one of the top two or three. He also is Rashiva of Yeshiva of South Florida. He's a, a, a Muslim of Rabbi Ochanan, one of the most respected and well-known Rabbanim in America today. Welcome, Rabbi Ephraim. Thank you so much. So, so does Bachram and Yeshiva of South Florida, would you learn Mesechus Nida with them? What do we learn Mesechus Nida with them? It's a, it's a great question. Um, first of all, there's different Mesorahs, as you all know, and I'm sure discussing on this uh, episode of Torah Lomara Nitzarach. It's all part of the rubric and the key of Talmud Torah. So even if you don't learn Mesechus Nida proper, but Mesechus Nida is smattered throughout Shas. Every, I'm learning Mishnayas with my, my 10-year-old son. We've been learning Mishnayas for several years. You come across the concept of Azav, of Azava. You talk about some basic concepts. If you learn Mishnayas in any Mesech, in any Seder, you're going to have to discuss what can be uncomfortable topics, different different ages, different stages of life. So everything is relative. Different communities, Minhagim, different uh, yeshivas, mesoras, and uh, Bachram, what they're ready for, what's appropriate, and so on. You mentioned Zav and Zav. Let me share with you a Hemig Zavar in the Tzairah. He says, V'omartem alehem. Funny Lashen the Pasuk uses, right before Zav and Zava. He says, what's this Lashen? the Amarak Dem Aleyim. I sort of like a, an extra season. He said, I would think that Zav, Zava, these are topics we really don't want to speak about in polite company. It's like it's something, it's, you know, it's personal, it's intimate, it's, it's malefactory, it's not pleasant. He said, V'amarak Dem Aleyim, there's a direct season. And his Lashen is, he says, we believe that, uh, I want to share with you, by the way, an interesting story. I'm interviewing you, but I'm going to tell you a story. Please. 
my, my father learns in Tarbadas, and there was a boy in the yeshiva. He, was a, he, he became a Kurov, and he became from, but he was a, a Bas Nida, a Ben Nida. His mother was a Nida, weren't from. And they came to Red Shabbat, and they came to Rav Shagafayvall, my wife's grandfather, and they asked, the family said, should we do the Shabbat for that? Because he doesn't come, he's a Ben Nida. Rav Shagafayvall said, told my father, he said, go ask the Satma Rebbe. My father said he went to the Satma Rebbe, and the Satma Rebbe said, Something like to the effect of, as I'm possible to give that guy off to make a trick, to tell him the Shabbat. If his father would be a guy, would you tell me to do the Shabbat? Like a Benny does, of course, you know, this is the Shabbat. He came back from Shagafival, and Shagafival listened, and he said, Go to the Lababacharever. He went to the Lababacharever, it was the beginning of his Messiah, and he sat, he sat him down and he said, The Gemara, the Torah is like a mikvah, and Torah is Matayr, you know, it's the Dhamma, the Tolamahayu, that's all Almayim. Right, so the Gemara's the Dama, the Holim, which are the best part in the Drushes, the Mayan, and if he learned Hasmada, any din of Ben Nida is, is Mufka and they should do the Shabbat. And my father knew the family, and he told me the name of the family. Many of them, there's dozens of their Anish living in Lakewood, Rabbanim, Chasner Rabbanim, Benin Rabbanim. And it was interesting how he held Tyra's Matire for a Shabbat. I know it's a fascinating story, I don't know if many things. I've ever said it over, and, and, uh, it's a, just a beautiful story about how Lubavitcher approached this. Amazing story on so many levels, but including the fact that Torah can be metire, Torah can purge and cleanse and transform, and the power of Torah. Rav Moshe has a tshuva, Rav Moshe Sternbach has a tshuva, Yibod about, about the Ben Nida Shiloh, or about somebody doing, doing tshuva if they, were, if they were with a Nida. Also, similarly, the power of Torah to transform, to kasher. Torah Machsharto, one of the Memchas uh, Kinyan Torah. So, so remember, how do you understand Angarshan by Rayas of Neshosha? How do you understand The Mepharshim on that Mishnah, the on the Mishnah are, are the Gemara itself, um, the quote from the Gemara itself is, is not necessarily worried about the issue of Tzniyas, about, about Darshaning publicly, but more of the possibility for misinterpretations and mistakes. That such sensitive topics, if you address en masse, someone's going to not be paying attention, someone's going to get it wrong, someone's going to misquote and distort, and it's going to compromise and corrupt the, the Amita Shotora. So the, the Gemara seems to understand the Mishnah not only or are not limited to an issue of sneeze, but more to an issue of mistakes being made. But not me, long before me, we're living in a different door, we're living in a different time, where information, access to information, the flow of information is, is entirely different than it was with Mana Mishnah, when people relied in, on, on intergenerational parents to children, or a Rebbe, the Mesorah of a Rebbe to a Talmud, or the capacity to control the flow of information in the size of a classroom, or the size of where the drush is being given. Today, information, we're in the information age. Everything is accessible anywhere, at any time, to anyone, in any language, and so already great, great Gedolim, and even before the internet, took that stance and said now that these issues are being addressed in public ways, we're going to continue to be behind this mission, while we watch people, the vacuum of our communicating critical, central, core ideas in the absence of our communicating and teaching it. So the street and the world is going to fill in that space and that vacuum with ideas that are foreign, that are corrupt, and therefore there's a mitzvah today, dafka, to, again, maintaining the sense of sneeze. There are a lot of creative ways I could share some ways. We've tried to do it to be able to simultaneously protect the attitude and the, and the gather of sneeze, but at the same time not be in the shadows on topics that need to be discussed directly and articulately and not b'derech remiza, because otherwise people will get the education from elsewhere. So... We had on a Rosh Hashiva from Eretz Yisrael a few years ago, and he said that, I don't remember the number, it was a startling number, 70 or 80% of his boys had watched pornography before they came to the yeshiva. 
a, a startling number, right? I was, mm-hmm. I was blown away. Do you think our yeshiva should be talking about what it does to the, to the, the, the telemolekim that's within a person? Do you think it's being ignored? Do you think that, like you said, we're awash in information, we're awash in data, we're awash in images. Mm-hmm. Should we be attacking this more frontally? Absolutely. I recently met with one of the leaders of Guard Your Eyes who told me that a poll that they had from one of the major centers of Torah in America, a major Torah community, a place which is probably the capital of anti-smartphones, only dumb phones, and they had they arrived at the same statistic, 70% of the chassanim getting married had seen pornography. On what, where, how, given that the emphasis on dumb phones, I don't know. And that's not to suggest that we don't have to be careful and filter and be aware of the dangers of technology. But again, these issues are pervasive. These issues are ubiquitous. They're everywhere. And it doesn't matter which slice or segment of the total world you come from, ultimately everyone will be exposed, will find if they want to. If they don't want to, they'll encounter and they'll confront. So either we're going to strengthen and empower and we're going to give the tools to fight this Yetzirah, the Yetzirah of our door, or, or we're going to, in, in this sense of modesty, in fact, promote immodesty because people won't have the tools, they won't have the language and vocabulary, they won't have the chizuk. We're starting to see things change in, in, a, in a remarkable way. I have in front of me two books that I received recently, just in the last couple of months. One addressed to men, one addressed to women. One, Dr. Shlema Zimmerman put out a book from from boys to men, Zakat and Gadol Yiyeh. The forward to the book is Rav Aaron Feldman. All the Haskamas are Gedola Yisrael. And it is a very explicit and very direct and, and a very excellent, excellent book that has approbations not only of Gedola Yisrael, but of mental health professionals as well. And that's the thesis. His thesis, Rav Aaron Feldman's thesis in the forward, is exactly this, that we're living in a door, we're living in a generation. I don't want to say unprecedented, but I can't imagine, I can't imagine the Chavetz Chaim and Radin saw in his lifetime what we see in one day today. In, in a billboard, in a magazine, on the subway, in the, on, the, on the street, and that's, let alone the images that, that penetrate through technology. So either we're going to talk about and we're going to, and we're going to frame, frame appropriately and validate where urges come from, where Yitzhakara comes from, how we regulate ourselves vis-a-vis this Yitzhakara, why Hine Tov Ma'od, the Yitzhakara is a wonderful thing but needs to be channeled in a wonderful way. And not the ancient old, there's also a strong Masora that says this notion of, of beating boys over the head and, and describing what they're going to be swimming and boiling in, in Gehenna and how many lives they've murdered, it, it absolutely does not work. Such fear tactics and mongering, it, it doesn't work. It actually, the evidence seems to be that it actually has the, the opposite effect. As opposed to, you also can't green light and, and make someone feel, look, we're all human and everyone's Yitzhara, so do what you want, where, how you want. But we have to empower and strengthen and teach and give a proper Ashkafa on this issue. So this is a fantastic book, Zakat and Gadol from Boys to Men, by Dr. Shlomo Zimmerman. There's a book that came out for women called Holy Intimacy, The Heart and Soul of Jewish Marriage, by Rivka Slonim and Sarah Mar- Marazo. And it's a wonderful, wonderful book as well. And in the introduction to their book, they, they both are are Chabad, they both come from Lubavitch, and they quote, a Fabreng in 1968, the Lubavitch Rebbe said the following, quote, is this modest conduct, you might ask? Can one talk publicly about such things, intimacy? Today, intimate subjects are written about openly in the newspapers, are being taught to 10-year-old children in school. There's a rationalization for such practices. Child education to be complete, people explain it's necessary to teach them all the dimensions of married life, but they're being taught an immoral conception of married life. In such an environment, one should not be ashamed to speak about Taras HaMeshbacha. The listeners will know more than the teachers, but the listeners' knowledge will not have come from a holy source. So teach Taras HaMeshbacha, don't be embarrassed. You will not reveal any secrets that your listeners do not know. Speak openly. That was 1968, long before there was a World Wide Web or an internet or a smartphone already. These things were being discussed and, and access was available in a public way, so it became critically important in this new era of information before even the internet certainly accelerated now for us to, in an appropriate and sneeze way, be tackling some of these issues. With David Aitaina, 
as a, as a, as a rub of a, of a fairly large shul and deals with Shalom bias issues regularly. Among the unspoken crises that we're living with are breakdowns in Shalom bias around issues of Kedusha and intimacy and, 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 and these issues, whether people are not being trained and taught already from a young age, Chas and Kala teachers, expectations in marriage, the way things are being framed and talked about, outlets. There's an enormous amount in this area, but because there's no healthy way to be educated, to get chizik, to have a hashkafa, to understand, to find support and chizik from one another, it, it, there's an absolute crisis that's taking place, and I don't think it's, it's pandemic levels within the home, and it filters down to other things, because someone who feels miserable and guilty and beats themselves up in shame, because they're acting out in these areas with no sense of control, with compulsion, is also not going to dive in, and they're not going to learn, there's not going to be the type of father, the type of mother that they could be in other areas. So we're seeing that filter down in, in other ways as well. So let, let me push this forward. So uh, agreed with everything you said. Um, can this be spoken about on the air or not? So spoken about depends. I, I still think that we have to maintain the, the spirit of the sense of tznius, of endorsement about Aris Vashlosha. And I think there are ways there are ways to do that. Futnan has this fantastic piece on, on the fact that the Talmud Bavli is called Bavli, is not only from Bavel, it's Muvubal, not only Muvubal because Mikra Mishnah Gemara, but even when the heroic decision, the courageous decision was taken, the Torah Shabbat had to be written down, they preserved the spirit of Torah Shabbat sure by making it all Muvubal. It's a, it's, a, it's a brilliant, brilliant insight. And I think here too, like, the East Lasso, uses as an example, he gives an example, Surah Nechzer of Ahri Kali. Right, right. Exactly. So we could no. So I think today in this ace lassos of needing to address these issues, but we still have to do so, preserving the spirit of the endorsement barayas. So I don't think that we should have public lectures, men and women, explicit um, topic. I think that it still has to be done in the sense of sneers, whether it's separating men and women. Or I'll tell you something: the gift of technology in this area allows you to have a sense of sneers, but to educate, it also removes inhibition. So several years ago already, I did with a therapist. I did two sessions on areas of intimacy in marriage. I brought the hashkafa and the, and the therapist brought mental health and, and a therapeutic approach. And what we did, it was a conference call. So we gave out the number and people called in and there was absolute anonymity between the people. No one knew who else was calling and everybody was muted except for me and the therapist. No one knew who else was there, who else was listening. And a husband and wife could listen together and it could stimulate them to talk and to continue a conversation, to maybe for the first time have important conversations. So there's an ability, first of all, people participated because they weren't inhibited to be in a room and what would people think of them. So there are creative ways, whether it's a conference call system, whether you stream a, a conversation in a, in a protected, password-protected way or other ways where people cannot be in a room where there's a light-headed Kalos Roche. There are ways to embrace some of the tools that we have to preserve a sense of sneers even as we address these important issues. Yeah, I agree with you, but I, I was talking about more like on, on our program, we discussed a lot of topics, the topic we haven't discussed, and I wonder if there, there is a sneistic way to do it where the damage, just have have a a a, a, a speak about the or anti-psychology the damage of pornography like it, it's absolutely it's, it's not for free it's not for free it leaves it leaves scars what are the scars that it leaves both on your book and on your neshama what are the there's, scars there's that an, on your marriage on your, on your, and on your relationships. Yeah. There's enormous secular literature. It used to be that to speak about such things, you're a religious fanatic, you're a prude, but now there's enormous amount of mental health literature. Even for an atheist, what's associated with the sense of shame and guilt, um, even for a person who doesn't have a moral objection in theory, but there's something nevertheless in the way that we're built, in the Bria, in the psyche, that the literature shows that the atheist or agnostic will also feel a deep sense of, of shame and of, of guilt um, when they act out in that way. And the effect of the expectation in marriage, the impact on, on Shalom bias in marriage, 
marriage, the impact on our own self-esteem, self-worth. There's an enormous literature in it, and it's very, very dangerous and damaging. I think it should be articulated. But ultimately, that's only one part of it, because because I don't know that the Yetzirah is overcome because someone heard on a program how dangerous something is. They have to be the tools for how to... Um, how to find the strength and the resilience to not put ourselves in a position and situation that will be tempted by that Yetzirah. What do we fill that vacuum with? And there are people who have done it heroically. Rav YY and others. Rav YY has had uh, discussions, panel discussions, again on YouTube, streamed on YouTube, tackling this issue of, the, of pornography, where it comes from, what it's satisfying. Often it has nothing to do actually with with the Yitzhar of sexuality, it has to do with filling some other void that a person is turning to, to lose themselves in it, a form of other addiction, how can you replace that with something else that's meaningful? These are critical conversations that I think have to happen. And there's a much bigger picture conversation that I don't think is happening enough. And that is particularly given some backgrounds that people are from, if, if you turn to young women who've been raised in an environment of tremendous Yerushamayim and Sneas, from a young age they've been encouraged how they should dress, how they should behave, how they should carry, them, carry themselves because the world is filled with men or maneuver and they only want one thing and look at one thing and think in one way and it's such an act of, of absolute immorality and moral depravity so we are Kedoshim because we cover and we're Tzniyas and we're careful and this woman gets married and she discovers that the man that she's married to he has a Yitzhahara but now she spent 18, 19, 22, 24 years being trained and conditioned that such a person is, is, is a manuval so we're not teaching that, that the Yitzhahara itself is actually holy. It depends where, with whom, how, when, why. We have to teach that just like eating is not a, a yetzahara which is morally depraved, it's just you have to eat kosher food and make a bracha and it has to be the right time, in the right place, the right setting, and so on. So this type of education too and talking about these bigger issues and the divide between the reality of men, how many men have confided in me that as transparent as they are with their wives about absolutely everything in life, and every Yetzirah to speak Lashonara, every Yetzirah to sleep in and not go in a minion, but they can't begin to go near talking about this conversation with the wife because the wife categorically can't begin to understand them and they can't undo the years and decades of training that often young women have about this issue and it's hard to reprogram it, but it needs to be often when they're on such different sides of it. So what age, where, by whom, how, it has to be with the spirit of Tzniyas, but I think we absolutely need to tackle these topics. You know, there's a, there's a, a guy in who wrote 300 years ago, he said, Avay Dezara Gilirayichin Shehazdana, and he says, Avay Dezara is an Avera bin Adam Lamakir. Ritzicha is an Avera bin Adam Lachavere. He says, and Gilirayich is an Avera bin Adam Lachavere. Hmm, right. And, and when you talk about shame and, and et cetera, that's what, I believe that's what the guy meant. It's a bit on the Surah Sadam, and, and that's... Uh, so, so when you when you violate the Tzelam Elokim and you violate the innate kedusha in you, and and that that hurts your self esteem and it fills you with shame and the inability to to control and regulate that impulse or compulsion towards that absolutely becomes an enormous challenge. Ben Adam Latzma. So, Rabbi Ephraim, just as a in closing, I, I, you, you know, my, my, the topic we were going to speak about what what should we be speaking about? You're obviously not going to take the other side of that, but. In, in conclusion, the, the world is changing. You know, I, I write on halacha here and there, right? And you open up a Mishnabura, he wrote Hulk Shabbos 130 years ago. I mean, it, it's just not relevant. I mean, nobody has earthenware floors, and nobody has a tanner that's shaped like a triangle with the smoke coming out of the top, and you put it in. It's just none of it is relevant, right? There was no electricity. I put to you that the Internet and the information age has 
change the world, and we need new kalim, so that when we speak to Rosh Hashiva and Eretz Yisrael, we speak to guards arrived in 10 years from now, the answer isn't that 70 or 80% of Chassanim have watched pornography. We're, we're failing, and we need new kalim, and we need we need a curriculum, how to arm ourselves better for an age that's just so much more dangerous and potent. I agree, I agree the 100%. Gemara says, and I, the Gemara says, let me just say it on, the Gemara says, the Mephestus of a desire of Avram Avinu, I think the Gemara says, Dalad Meis Prakim. It could be wrong. Gimel Meis, Dalad Meis. And the morale explains, he says, Today, nobody's worried about Avaidah Zara. And in the, in the age of Avram, Avaidah Zara was all the rage. So that which doll and how you could hold it and what's the, what's the etzim and what's Abizrayu. I mean, it was just going on and on and on. And all that was lost because Avaidah Zara disappeared. But now we have, we, you know, the, the age of Lashon Surach and Levachim Nechem should have 400. And our generation is 400 prakim. And somebody has to write that in the sefta and the curriculum that we shouldn't, wouldn't she, shouldn't hear such types of statistics from our Rosh Hashanah. 100%. And that's why I think these two books are wonderful contributions, again, from Boys to Men by okay. Dr. Shlema Zimmerman cool. and this Holy Intimacy, Rivka Slonim. They're, they're wonderful contrib- contributions. But I will surprise you by taking the other side for a moment, and I really do believe this, is it's not just that we're living in the information age where people can fill the vacuum with the wrong information. We're living in the permissive age, this progressive age, where we should be allowed to dress or undress however we want, talk about anything anywhere. There's no busha. And, and, and busha is for the neshama what nerve endings are for the body. If a person doesn't have nerve endings that work and, and, and they have a neuropathy that they can't feel pain, you know, many people would say, that'd be wonderful. I wish I didn't feel pain. It's incredibly dangerous. It's incredibly dangerous to not sense and know something's wrong, to address it and get it fixed. Neuropathy is very dangerous. And, and the busha, the sense of shame, the Ramah Menachos Tshuva talks about the role of busha in tshuva. We have to be able to blush. We have to be able to feel a sense of shame. We have to have parameters and boundaries. So even as we address these things, I, I fear that there are segments of people, not these two wonderful books, but other places where in, in the other extreme now, let's have no shame. Let's talk about even even with the noble ambition of bringing a Torah perspective, I don't think it's appropriate necessarily for men and women to have podcasts and speak explicitly and, 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 and leave it up and open and available. We have to bring a mentality of Tzniyas. We have to know each community is different. What does each community need and what's the best way to reach and, and get to that community? What are the norms in that community? But also, I think, to find that happy medium between no longer shying away, literally and figuratively, from addressing these issues, but, but staunchly remaining um, committed to present them in a way that preserves that sense of sneers with some, some boundaries. One of the things in the generation we're living in is this mentality. It was a whole pop culture series of, of sitting around and talking about these inyanit sneers and people, people being transparent about their own personal and private lives with their friends over coffee. That's part of the general culture out there, but it's not our culture. So even when we address it, we have to know that line between whether it's Kala teachers, Chassan teachers, Rabbi, Rabban. I'm in a WhatsApp group and we're talking about these things. When is it Latoelis? When is it L'Shem Shemayim? When is it with Kedusha? And when is it that I'm actually indulging myself in a culture that now just talks about these things too openly that in itself is a breach of Tzniyas? So I think that's exactly the Nakuda that we have to get right, is to not be afraid to talk about it, but to be really committed to do so with a sense of sneeze. My best friend, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for including me. Joining us from New York is Rabbi Yitzhak Frankfurter, who's the publisher of Ami Magazine, the Talmud of Rabbi David Talabachik. Welcome, Rabbi Yitzhak. Uh, thank you very much for having me, Rabbi. It's a pleasure so, and an honor to be with you. Rabbi Yitzhak, we, we have a lot of times 
in society, we're not going to say a lot of times, but occasionally, uncomfortable news events that it's debatable whether you know we should or shouldn't we be speaking about them. And one that created a big rush was last year when that fellow Chaim Weldler uh, killed himself, right, after he had been accused by literally dozens of women. Yeah. And a lot of the, a lot of the Haredi papers did not cover it. You're the editor-in-chief, and you make these decisions. What goes into such a decision? Well, first of all, um, not only did we cover it, I put it on the cover of the of the magazine. Um, I interviewed Shmuel Avio, and it was it was broadcast throughout the world because we are considered a Haredi publication. And um, so I interviewed Shmuel Avio about that issue, and um, so we certainly covered that, and it was quite controversial among some circles that what we have done, but I think we made a, well, if I can say that myself, a courageous move by doing that, and we got some pushback, but I felt at the time that it was an exceptionally important important story for various reasons. Um, I'm not going to name some newspapers in SSRO, but we're actually defending him, and I felt the Chilol Hashem was Oyim Venera, um, so besides everything else, I felt it was an important thing to make a statement for Kali Yisrael and for the world that we take a totally different issue and we shouldn't all be um, bundled together. We certainly don't defend such, such first of all, his, his suicide itself had to be condemned and and the whole all his actions that he was being accused of, and also was exceptionally painful for all those people that were victims of his actions when he committed when he committed suicide. It was an exceptionally painful thing, which I'm sure they they they, they went for therapy and perhaps just still in therapy. So we have to make the various reasons of things. So if you're asking me what my what went into my decision of interviewing Rav Shmuel Elio, of covering Rav Shmuel Elio, and Rav Shmuel Elio felt that we collectively made a by featuring him on the cover of our publication. So walk me through the debate. We understand why you would, and what did the naysayers say? Well, um, first of all, naysayers are, are, you know, is a a big spectrum. Some people defended him, not Hazar Shalom, they defended his actions, but they didn't want to believe, and I can understand that some people, you know, people have Chetkis Kashers, people have, um, for many people it's hard to, to digest that somebody who took, had that role in society, um, and the, that the, accu- the accusations were were true. So so we have naysayers that who simply, and to this very day, there are many people who will not accept that he did those things. Nobody defends. It's just just to set the record straight. I don't think there's any normal, upstanding person that would defend the defend the actions that he was accused of. Jew or Gentile, Chassid or Misnagid, Haredi or non-Haredi. I don't think anybody, any upstanding person, would defend those actions. That's, in my opinion, that nobody would be a naysayer because of that reason. Nobody would defend. Actions are they're criminal. Um, they're they're repugnant. They're they're, they're they're everything that we have been taught in society and especially in the Torah not to do. It, it was what he was accused of doing. So I don't think anybody defends it. So no naysayer would say don't don't publicize it because those actions are are defendable. No, nobody says that. So 
Having put that aside, but there are people that weren't believing it because it was so horrific. So, so, so that's one naysayer. Other people would believe that um, it's not something to be spoken about in public, which I think is the topic, I guess, that you were trying to, to get to. Um, certain, certainly, certain topics should not be discussed. and should be discussed with great Yeshiv Hadass, with great thought process, because because we don't want to bring those discussions uh, at our Shabbos table, and uh, you know, there's, there's, there, you, you know as well as I do, you know, by the Aramiklet, um, there were signs um, to the Aramiklet that people shouldn't be discussing um, Ritzicha at this people. So there's a there's an element of of, of certainly certain language, certain things shouldn't be discussed. But we had we felt that it's his actions needed to be condemned and condemned in the strongest way. And also, like I said before, those people who were victimized had to feel that there were people that were believing their story, not only believing their story, but, 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 but um, totally, totally empathizing with them. And, and that was another, another, another aspect that, that went into that. So the naysayers are the naysayers, but, you know, we, we have been around Baruch Hashem, and I have had many times when we have faced the naysayers from the right or from the left or things, and that's part of what we do for a living, so to speak. And we face up to the naysayers, and, and we do what, what we believe is the appropriate thing to do. So, so let me go to the naysayer who you, who you brought up, this fellow who says, you know, these are things that the best dealt with. It's in a, we shouldn't be talking about them. Don't bring attention to them. It's a black eye and cholesterol. We don't want our kids to hear about these types of things. How, how do you respond to that person? Well, I think it's a very legitimate. See, that that person has a very legitimate, um, uh, uh, legitimate um, uh, complaint, and it's and it's certainly something to take into consideration that perspective, that point of view, and it's constantly something that we constantly think about: should we or shouldn't we? Um, there is a there's an aspect of copycat syndromes. There's other things that that um, you know that come into into our value system that. It, that not everything should be spoken about. But at times, so that there's what we call shikol hadas, where we call something that, that we have to weigh the pros and the cons. Not everything is black and white. There's a lot of gray. And I certainly can understand by a besan that there would be perhaps a dayanim who would say, it's Sheval Tyson, don't do it, or I mean, don't, don't be the farsim, or be the farsim. So these are the type of things which, which you know, which, which there's a lot of things that are not, are not black and white, but we've made that decision, and there are other publications that, that took a different perspective, and I, I respect them. I mean, there was one publication, which I don't want to name, which I really made, think they made a Chilu Hashem, um, by, 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 by totally being dismissive of 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 the actions that he was being accused of and and, and calling him a topic and all the kind of other things. I, I felt at that time we had like I told you before, I don't want to repeat myself, that we had to take a position that that that, that counted that. I'm glad to hear that we agree. I mean just on this entire matter. But I got a lot of um, hate mail and hate calls after we did the kind of I just think it's about protecting society. I mean I had on Speedlock and he tells me that there's a you know, over a hundred 120 suicides a year in the New York area, and he said the majority have been molested at some point. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's almost like a Samuel Zamriyecha. And I, I interviewed some of these boys. They never knew what was happening. Nobody had ever told them anything. It was like they, they were just 
they were just in shock and they couldn't talk. But when you tell somebody, hey, there are bad people out there, like that Sarah Sadibris, there's a lot of bad people hiding in the Sarah Sadibris, right? And, you know, forewarned is forearmed. So a story happened to me a number of years ago. A boy from a very prominent yeshiva came to me, and he called and called. I don't realize, and he said, I have to meet with you. It's kind of, okay. He was a boy. He was learning in a big yeshiva. He came from a big yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael, a very armlucha boy, and he was dating, and he had no type of nashim whatsoever. Right? And he says, I'm being read shidduchim. What, what do I do? And I said to him, um, what do you think? Are you out of date? He said, how could I date? It's like, you know, you're killing somebody. He said, he said, so what should I do? I said, I don't have any idea. Like, this is, I, I just don't know. Like, I don't, and, um, and he left, and it made a rishim on me, let over. And then, like, a year and a half later, um, I read that the boy had an aneurysm. He died, oh, which is Russian lucky for saying he killed himself, right? And right. and after that, I did a I, I did a, a program and I spoke about how our attitude to, should be to people who have SSA. They're attracted to the same gender. They just that's how the Rebbeinu Shalom created them. And oof, I, I was like, you know, uh, like Vashti was standing on top of me, and not not the, the daughter of Haman, the the court. And I thought it was, it's a very important topic because there is some percentage that is genetically that way. I don't know what it is. Is it a 2% or 5% or 7%? And, and they commit suicide, a lot of them. And I'm curious. I've never seen this in, uh, not that I read that many magazines. I've never seen it in a from a magazine. What's your attitude about? And what was my attitude? I said, look, basically it was very simple. I said, you know, do you want to know? And people said, how could Rabbi Nishol make? I said, look, people born without eyes, people born without legs, people born without noses, people born without kidneys. And so why can a person be born with the with the wrong attraction? I mean, it's it's, it's not that difficult to understand. We see every other permutation, physical permutation, and we see bipolar and subpolar and schizophrenia and multi. There are so many diseases of all of a And I said, and what, are, what does our attitude have to be? Our attitude has to be they have to be shamers, I remiss. So we have to have great empathy from them, just like if the person was a bomb mom, another mom. And I've never seen it discussed, but it's out there, and I'm curious, as, what, what's your feeling about this? Do we speak about it? Do we push it under the rug, et cetera? Let me, let me tell you what. I had a conversation with Sheryl Eichler, the Chavar Knesset, and he told me that the Nyasa's Um the decision has been, um, I don't want to go into a lot of the detail, but the decision of the Nyasa's Gadalatara was not to fight this issue, not to discuss this issue, not to fight this issue in Nyasa He says there are many activists in Nyasa that that, you know, against against gay rights and, and other things, but the but the, the Hashkasas and the Nyasa's Gadalatara, and that includes Khan Kanyevsky and the Belzerebi and Lhapo Bechayim Luchayim and the wide spectrum of the Master was not to, not to, for various reasons, not to, this, not to fight this issue or not to go into this issue um, at all, to ignore this issue. It is, I am, um, uh, I try to be at least, and, and I follow that, 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 that mantra we don't discuss this issue is an issue that we don't discuss or, 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 or in any which way. And I would like to keep that in this conversation as well. Um, I, it's a discussion that I have gotten from, from, from the Rebus that I respect, which is the uh, Chaim Kanievsky and, like I said before, Rav Steinman and, and, and all of them, and Rav Yashiv and, 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 and the Belzerevi and, 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 and all the development from the, from the, from, from, from that this is something which they will not 
for various reasons they will not they will not um, approach. It's something which which has been my policy as you know as well. I, I will not. There are certainly a person who who has who's challenged in any which way, like you said, there are various challenges that every human being has. Um, he should certainly speak to his Mayra to speak to his to his to his who, to his mentors and if he's a Shemitah mitzvah to speak to, to his Rav um, about these issues that he's faced. I'm not I'm not the place of Hadar. I certainly don't consider myself as in any which way as as a as 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 a das Torah, and I try to follow the das Torah that I'm, that's, that's been given to me. So, in answer to your question, did they, did they give you? Did they give you? A, I'm saying, did they give you any reason as to why? I've many times I've I've clapped all faith at this boy. I, I didn't help this boy in some way, you know. Well, certainly. Well, if you th- that's something which 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 is something personal. I mean, there's no question that you have to help that person with 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 guidance. I guess I I don't think you're a psychologist or you're or you're or you're a or or or, or you consider yourself somebody who I'm sure that you would consult with 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 other people. Somebody so certainly if somebody comes to me or somebody comes to you. I, I mean, certainly, as we're, we have an obligation from the Islam with there's no question about it that we have a personal obligation. But if you ask me what my obligation is as a publisher, I'm not discussing my my personal thing. Is what I just told you before is not to not to what else? That but said, what else? What other? Give me what else by you is like the third rail that you don't think should be discussed. But I, um, I, I think that, um, I, and I'm not criticizing. I want to tell you something. Baruch Hashem. I mean, there's 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 an issue from 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 outside of the commercial right? And 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 part of that is not to meaning not to not to not to praise our publication in contrast to other publications. I, I'm not going to criticize anybody. But I'll tell you what we certainly. I feel. I feel that's overdone by some, and 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 I can just tell you what my policy. But let them claim them, them claim them. I miss those who have a different philosophy than we do. I'm certainly not not being mishabed than saying that we are better than them. Um, but I will just tell you that there is there is a problem, let's say, of OCD over the derech, and it's certainly a problem. There's no question. I don't think it's I don't think it's it's a fraction of what people think it is. I don't think, I mean, when my parents were growing up in Europe, when, when my parents were growing up in, 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 in Czechoslovakia, or, 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 or when our parents or grandparents, everybody, when they're going back to the, to the Altaheim, it was far, far, far worse. I mean, it wasn't, OTD was, was 80%, 90% of the community was OTD. My, my grandfather, I had a grandfather um, who came to the city of Kasho, or Kushitzer, whichever way name you want to refer to. My great-grandfather, he was a Rebbe, he came there, he, he moved there, he rightly moved out, because there were hardly any Shemesh Shabbos there. And, and where did these Mahalo Shabbos come from? These were OTD, of course. So Baruch Hashem, we have a movement, I just saw two days ago, a, a great picture of Bibi Nathaniel's son-in-law and his Ainiqla. They they look more so making a seam making a seam on shots, yeah. Making a seam on the right. website so that. Right. I mean these are beautiful kids. So so is there an O T D problem? Yeah, but there's a movement there's a movement in the other direction which I think is much stronger. Um I mean people are are are, 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 are for all you know, Donald Trump's Ainiqla are still gonna look like Bippy Nathan Yao's Ainiqla. Yeah. 
So, in closure, you're not afraid to speak about the pertinent topics, and there are maybe one or two topics that your Kabbalah from Gedalim is we don't discuss that in that Right, and I that, is that said, sort I of like a fear. Yes, yes. You know, they say mm -hmm. over that the Rebbe Rabbinim of Shiska, they say, was very heavy, and he didn't eat a lot. So he said, I'm not heavy because I eat a lot, I'm heavy because of all the words I have to swallow. <laughs> well, we. It's we like it's a wonderful. It's been wonderful having you on. Thank you so much, and I, I, I applaud you for the courage about speaking up about that topic. And, and I agree with you. I said, look, the boys are going to hear about it. Shouldn't they get a chinuch in it through the prism of Bath Taira rather than through the prism of the street? I couldn't agree with you more. So thank you very much for your time. Yeah. Because we, we, we're agreeing so much, but I really appreciate it. It was a great conversation. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Colton. Joining us from Queens is Rabbi Shital. He's the Rav of Holliswood, Queens. He's a Muslim of Lakewood, Talmud of Rabbi David Salavechik. Welcome, Rabbi Shalom Aleichem. It's so good to hear your voice. So here's the debate. Okay. Um, you know, Ein L'chadzava Yachem and has always been, but on the other hand, we live in a, an age that's awash with information. And we're naive if we believe that young people don't know what's going on, right? So the question is, topics that we never would have spoken about, like when I was in yeshiva, is it important to face them and discuss them? What do we say? And, and, and what am I speaking about? I'm speaking about pornography. I'm speaking about, you know, the ultra-liberalism and the way they view, you know, same, you know, gender attraction issues. I'm talking about um, even, you know, topics like divorce, et cetera. Do we say, look, we don't speak about these things, et cetera, or do we say, you know, the world has changed? That's, that's really part of the debate. And, and, and then another and, and part of it is, is that you know, one of the reasons to say that, you know, on the other hand, in Torah, well, I'm already going into the arguments, but let's, well, before we get into the, the arguments, that's really the discussion we want to have. Because I get criticized every time we touch like one of these more sensitive topics. Oh, why are you speaking about it? Why are you speaking about it? And my feeling is like, you know, the class and teacher told me the kids know more than the, the teachers, right? We have to talk about Tahara at an age and Kedusha and Tahara at an age where we're speaking to the, uh, the people about the Nisqayimists they're actually having in life, not about, like, you know, everything's hush-hush, because they're going to find out about everything from the New York Post, or, and much worse. I have so many things to say. So, I mean, first of all, the first thing that comes to mind, I'm going to say a few things. Shimon Schwab wrote an essay in the 1960s. The way you, I wasn't, until you phrased the point the way you did, it did, this didn't come to mind. But as you were speaking, this came to mind. I have to find it, but he writes in the 1960s. I, he, may, I, he wasn't in Baltimore, I don't think anymore. He may have already been in Washington Heights. And he compares culture to inoculation, to vaccines, not to touch upon another subject I'm sure you have on your show. That the whole goal, not mRNA vaccines, but the classic vaccines, the one discussed in the Pharisees' throw, is it gives you a little bit of the disease. And by giving a little bit of the disease, your body builds antibodies. And he says that when it comes to girls and boys in certain yeshivas in Bisyakov, to hide too much from them is only going to come back to haunt us. We have to give them a little bit. Even We'll get to your point that they may know more than us in a moment, but they're going to encounter all these issues, whether it's pornography, whether it's uh, LGBT plus Q issues, uh, all the, everything that's going on in culture, they're going to encounter. And if Schwab felt, 
me or me, I'm not the one to decide what level of antibodies to give them, what level of the disease to give them. That's for the gadolin. But there's no question that that has to be a part of it. You know, I, I, I want to tell for the listeners how I spent my day today. I taught in the Beis Yaakov High School. I taught in Minsk. I'm a rabbi in the Young Israel Shul. Um, I, I, uh, I just wrote uh, a big uh, feature for Ami Magazine and uh, for the Jewish press as well. Uh, my feet's in, in a lot of different worlds. I got an email tonight about an hour ago from a girl. I don't know where she lives. I know she lives in the tri-state area. That's all I know. She sent me an email as Plaini Almaini. I mean, I, I'm considering reading the email, but maybe she's listening, so I don't want her to think I'm going to give anything away. Suffice it to say, these are not just issues that especially our young girls are aware of, um, but some of them are struggling with. And um, I think it has to be brought to their attention. And, and, and in truth, for the listeners to know, many Beis Yaakovs are aware of this. Beis Yaakovs, I'll focus on in particular, they do bring in, because I, I teach in them, they do bring in experts to talk to them. But I'll be honest, like you said, they know more than them. So you bring in a 45-year-old guy to talk about an issue when, you know, let's be honest. I, when I was a teenager, I'm going to be very frank. I hope uh, this is okay to say. I never spoke to girls. I never had these issues. I don't know if that was Yiras Shemayim or Yiras Adam. And the people speaking to them haven't dealt with this Nisayim. Uh And I don't think it's impactful. I, I really think there has to be, first of all, a more honest dialogue and uh, a dialogue between the girls and the boys in certain yeshivas who are more aware in a more realistic uh, vein. So that's my first response. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Shimon Schwab says uh, the same thing. However, there's a, there's a balance. There's a very difficult balance. I mean, this, if I could say this girl, who, again, I, I, she may live in Connecticut, she may live in Lakewood, she may live in Brooklyn, I have no idea, is struggling with, let's just say, LGBT issues. And there is always a struggle or a fight in my own head, I can only speak for myself, between comforting every neshama and letting every neshama know that they could have a relationship with, with the Bari on the one hand, and on the other hand, and you'll excuse the expression, on a plane, when the uh, uh, flight attendant says, secure your mask before you secure those of others. And that, that I think, is, is one of the great challenges. How do we balance the Kedush and the Tahara that we want, especially among our B'nai Yisrael, and certainly our B'nai HaYeshiva, with a realistic attitude of supplying them with the antibodies they need to fight this Hellenistic battle? You know, Ramesh has a tshuva. If you don't mind me just continuing on one more point, I'm sure you have what to say, but Ramesh has a tshuva, which I always felt is a, a Warshak test on this issue. And how you respond to this tshuva tells me a lot about yourself, and this doesn't mean right or wrong, it just tells me a lot. Ramesha was asked by a rav that there was a woman in his shul, a yid, who was married to a guy. She had a son. The son, of course, is a Jew. They were having a bar mitzvah. The son's a Jew. What did he Maui Latsarzu. Well, he didn't do anything to deserve this issue that he was dealt, this hand he was dealt. And the Rub said, you know, could we celebrate the Bar Mitzvah in the Shul? I'm sure he's probably expecting that Ramesha to say, of course, he's a, he's a, he's a Yid. And Ramesha said... Ramesha, by the way, Ramesha has the same tshuva we spoke about, about, about a, a guy who married a, a, a girl who married a guy marching now to the Chuppah because the non-Jewish father marched to the Chuppah and he said no because he's just being machred. That the, uh, that the, the Havera is now the Pumbi, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's giving a, but I want to tell you, it's, it's a, a, a absolutely understandable, too, you know? 
I think so. But as a rov, it's very painful because on the one hand, you want to you, you want this child to grow up to be from. On the other hand, what are you teaching the kids of the shul who are witnessing everything? Yeah, you do private. All of these issues, and, and the children are watching, and shuls, and how we're about to make decisions. I've had this question dealt to me. You know, what do you do when there's someone in the shul whose child is openly gay, and they want to come to shul with their uh, husband? I mean, take that as an example. Um, and what do you do with the kids? Right. Or even he comes to show by himself. Wow. Even he comes to show by himself. I don't know. You see, let me ask you something. What do you do with somebody who's known to be a, a goddess? He, he has nursing homes with people. He, he doesn't give the right amount of care and people are dying left and right. Do you let them into show? I, I, another of our game, you know? I think that's the perfect answer. I think that our, we have our own personal opinions. Every one of us listening right now may have someone in their life that they love who is suffering through these challenges and maybe furious that we're speaking about these issues out loud and there are others who are rolling their eyes they don't deal with it but we, we have to be, we have to surrender to the Torah and our issues with these concepts and with the culture can't be our personal opinion it has to be Torah Kedusha. so what I always tell Balabatim wonderful Balabatim is look just like a Mahal Shabbos could come to shul but if they smell like Marlboro lights and they're flipping their car keys get out of here you can't do that Right. Well, too. Any right. other avera? Oh, what you do outside, as long as when you come in, you're tzniyus. When you come in, it's not a distraction. I, I don't know what the allowance would be not to let them in. Um, but uh, listen, Rabbi Ramosha, I, I have to tell you, I don't know if I would be allowed into shul if they would let people have averas into shul. I can tell you, I certainly wouldn't be allowed into an shul. I, I, I mean, I want to know who would be who would be allowed into shul if they didn't let somebody else in there into shul. Mia ish, right? Is that what they said by the Mohana? I do think, though, I, I have to state for the record. I, I while I agree with you, and I think I espouse a similar view. There is a one nafkamina here. There is a contingency among those who wish to call themselves Orthodox to be embraced for certain averos or certain taivos, and they're not taivos. I'm in love with my sister-in-law. They're not taivos that I have bestiality issues. It happens to be, just coincidentally, the very taivos that are accepted by culture. Coincidentally, those are the clubs that are being allowed in certain yeshivos. Coincidentally, chalil is that they're influenced from culture. It's not bestiality. It's not uh, sister-in-law Arias. It's this. And that, that's what bothers me a little bit, that when you have somebody, you know, there are certain halachas of windows and shuls and other distractions and shuls. I mean, we do have halachas in shulchan aruch. So you're right, nobody's perfect, and a shul should never be closed to anybody. But I just wonder, at what point does somebody innocently and quietly come into shul that is such a distraction and they represent a public either disregard or challenge I think that that's a very valuable question. In other words, when I'm talking about an Avarian coming into show, I'm not talking about a Mesus of idea. A Mesus of idea could be a whole different level. You're talking about somebody who's a basis, somebody who's, who, who comes, you know, his goal is to destroy his goal. I think, I think that has a different, a, a different chimer than somebody who's a Balavera. I couldn't, I mean, I mean somebody so much. I, I tell my children that, but for the grace of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, that your nesiyinus don't affect you publicly. If someone stop has nesiyinus in these issues or in other issues, especially in the Dor Hayasim Hazer, they're tadikim. I mean, they're beyond tadikim. Not only could they come to a minion uh, if they're not trying to challenge our Messiah, they're from the the Svar Makadosh tell us I don't disagree with you. I, in fact, I would say even more. I, I, I would put them if I could in the fire. I put them at the Mizrahi. Such people who are going through such a challenge. Challenges privately, but snua and speaking to Rabbanim and, and succeeding and failing and succeeding and failing, 
these, you know, we all have our nasiyonis. Ours don't affect us socially, and those people are. Sure, uh, sure. You come from the from the yeshiva world, brisk and liquid. Why do we get so many angry callers when we discuss these topics? Um, I think that I don't know. I, 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 it's dangerous to speak to motive, but my suspicion is is that there's no question that culture has infected. I mean, that's the story of Hanukkah that we just finished a couple of weeks ago. Culture infects. And the more distant you are from culture, you know, when Mordechai Kaplan had the first public bas mitzvah, the founder of Reconstructionist Judaism, Reformed Jews were aghast. Twenty years later, Reformed Jews had a public bas mitzvah, the conservative Jews were aghast. Twenty years later, after that, the modern Orthodox had a bas mitzvah public celebration. The Haredim were aghast. Now Haredim do it, Hasidim do it. it, it, it I, I think that Baruch Hashem, there's an island, there's a Teva, where I don't think they, they're dealing with the same front-line battles that some of us are. And, and maybe they shouldn't. And maybe, maybe such a conversation isn't for them. But they should be aware that, unfortunately, if Mashiach doesn't come, it's coming for them. It's coming for Lakewood, and it's coming for, uh, I don't want to mention other cities, I don't want to mention any cities, I don't want to make an eye in Europe, but these these issues have a way of seeping in. So I think that's why they attack. They, they think this, these are uh, 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 very rare cases, but um, the chickens are going to come home to roost because they're not as mufka from the culture as they think they are, so sadly, so sadly. So I think that's why they get nervous, but I think we're doing them a service because they're getting a head start. They're able to watch what's happening uh, with the guinea pigs, myself included being a guinea pig, and get, they, let them get angry. Either of get angry, but at least at least they'll be prepared. With all their anger, at least they'll be prepared. So as a Rav who you say lives in a, in a number of worlds, right? what advice would you give to parents who are bringing kids up in a world of the internet, in a world with, with so much data, so much so, so much graphics available at the flip of a finger, what, what, what would you tell Perry? You know, I've, I've thought about this for so many hours and so many days, and I've changed my mind six ways from Sunday. I'll tell you where I'm holding now. I raised four daughters, Baruch Hashem, who are so special. I have now a son, Kainahara, and um, it used to be that I would warn them constantly. And I realized at a certain point, you know, when we went to Vietnam, soldiers came back and they were spit upon. And there was a writer for the Chicago Tribune who didn't believe it. And he did research and he discovered 250 cases. And he wrote a book on it. And he said, it made no, I'm a liberal, he said. I was against the Vietnam War. But what did these soldiers do to deserve this? They didn't ask for this war. They were happened to be born at the worst time, in my opinion, in American history. I think our kids have to be told it's not their fault. I really believe kids have to be told, I want you to know, I, I, you're like, the Nisiyanis that you have in every battle that you win, you're a Tzadik Gomer, and you're going to fail a battle. And everybody in their own level, it may be you're going to get a flip phone, it may be you're going to get a smartphone, it may be Netflix, it may be pornography, it may be uh, Spotify. Everybody, everybody can intrigue us according to their own level, but they have to get up again. And to know it's not their fault they were in this dark, and they are mamish tzaddikim. And I don't know. I tell us my daughters now. I don't know if I could do. My daughters, Baruch Hashem, get into the best seminaries. And I tell them, I, you are mamish like a Rajba. You're like the Rambam. I think we're getting too many negative messages and scary. They know how scary it is. They could tell us how scary it is. I really think positive messaging, and it has to be truthful. 
it has to be true. You have to believe it. Because I started to really believe what tzaddikim, these Beis Yaakov girls are, and these yeshiva. I, I came from Nova Minsk. I just was teaching Nova Minsk. Bacharim don't even know what's going on. There are taka Bacharim who don't know what's going on in the veld, in the cultural veld. And there are Beis Yaakov girls who never do. And they're still unbelievable. And they have to be told they're unbelievable. I think there's too much negative pressure on them. I, I, I think that's the way, at least right now, that I, I, I think we have to handle it and tell them they're going to fail. And when they fail, they're still tzaddikim. Because we may have failed worse. And they could still they could still be Kanayach Tadari. Ramesha, that's a beautiful message. Thank you very much for your time. Beautiful message. Thank you. Continue We want to announce the winners of the riddles. And uh, here are the riddle winners. And this is for all eight. Tzvi Yaakov Konigberg, David Wachman, Moshe Aaron Kohn, Moshe Marcus, Moshe Rattenberg, Yankee Morgenstern, Yehuda Fink, and Yisrael Hach. They will all be getting a gift card. The first one said, um, that Havdalah, that why didn't you do like Havdalah? But that's kind of good to make the Baruch Bereivam. So for that, I would, um, stop through this on my seal that says that the bracha by Hanukkah is not just like any other bracha from mitzvah. It's in order to, it's, it's a tenai in the at the mitzvah, that in order to be mekayim, the mitzvah of Hanukkah, in order to the so it's a chalik of the prismanita of the adlaka is the, is the bracha. That's why each yachad has to do it by himself. And you shouldn't be yaita with one bracha for everybody. Everybody should do it themselves. Um, another character you could say is that, um, that um, the Rambam learns that Hazor is is the Adlaq is Nechanaka, not like Rash Rashi learns to do it all in Eastern. But the Rambam learns Hazor is Adlaq. So, Halo Vaida and the Gemara there is bad luck. So, um, Alpiza, you could say, Alpiza, I think that Barbanel says by Maidim Rabbanos that each person, the reason why everybody says their own Maidim, is because to give Haida properly has to be, has to do it by himself. So, um, can't just be Yaisa with the Sheikh too much. Maybe who I didn't hear to say, Brachat Shah you have to do it by yourself because that's a chalik of the and you have to do it by yourself. That would be for the first child. This question from the Gemara and Brachas. In Brachas we find that there's a chashaj. There's no chashaj. And over here we find by Hanukkah that there is a chashaj. I think the big Jason goes over there that Tzvilo is very, very humble b'ini b'nei Adam. I think he says over there that the Mokim Hef Momid is a Mokim Techshad, so Melo by Hanukkah is a Hefzid Momid. Also, I think the, that um, by Abesa Knesset, everyone knows that there's a bunch of Psachim. By Tefillah, we find that it has a lot of time. So, there's no chashash. I think the Taz over there says um, there's a, a reason why he doesn't go. There's some space in other places. So, Mela, he doesn't. There's, there's other doors because maybe it's full in this door. So, Mela, people know 
about the seats, the available seats in a different place, some Milo or Tfilo, the right, so there's no Malkoim to be Choyshej. Now the Tarot is we find is a Scharp Seas, so Milo is no Malkoim to be Choyshej by um, Tfilo. I got the third Shiloh, I saw in the time of the crow, Mukhan Kanyaski, that he brings he brings the Rambam and his process that Mrs. Mezuzah's thing that uh, or shows a person doesn't have to live in a house, he can live in oil and a spina. But by Mrs. Hanukkah he says it's a choiva the Rambam. And his Mechir Tzitzis Be'os holds not like that from the Kasha. They asked his Mechir that he holds that um, that someone that doesn't have a bias, he doesn't have a chiv to be malik near Hanukkah. And, and therefore, it's mamish doimut in mezuzah, and therefore, it tastes as kasha, the good kasha. Kasha Mechak Susoy, Havinizu, says that by Shar Mitzvah, there's an oinus if you can't afford it. Nothing, you don't have anything. And anyone wants a mitzvah, Chin Gemara, Kisha Kishiv, Kiduasa. However, Suminisa, where this is the Lafarsim Lacherim, doesn't help if you have in your mind Kiwasa. Might you have don't have your Pirsamanis Lacherim. You know, that's why it's been my Susa. Um, the fifth, fifth question was the Taz. And the Taz says that if you were Makabal Shabbos and if you got to light in the Hanukkah, you have to ask, you have to make a Shliach to light in the Hanukkah. So the question was how. How could you make a shliach? It's called Adi Yilai Mutsovid. If you can do it, the shliach also can do it. So the answer is, the three Megudim answers in Nechaz Hanukkah that it's not really shliach. When you make a shliach in Nechaz Hanukkah, it's not really shliach. It doesn't have the shliach because it's Memoinoi and the other person is only, is only Masekoi Baum. It's not really shliach. That's what the three Megudim answers by Hanukkah. And on the Stiris Taz from Rosh Hashanah, the Beish Arm answers that by a Shoifer, you are Mechabal Shabbos, you are Chayv and Shoifer. That's why it's Shaykh to say, that's Kabbal Shabbos with all. So by Ner you weren't Chayv and Ner Hanukkah till Lilo. So when you were Kabbal Shabbos, you would not Shaykh to say Kabbal Shabbos with all. Um, number seven, how do you make a, how do you aim a spot for an ace? This ace is an ace which is within Teva. It's an ace which is within Teva, and it's an ace which the Bereshwalam, is an ace which the Bereshwalam likes making. He does it very often, and very often, but all the big Yesias Mitzrayim was an ace which is in Teva. Uh, I don't know if that was in, in Teva, but that's not the type of ace which, which the Bereshwalam does not like to make. Um, these types of reasons he does make, and especially if it's a nace which is with Teva, it's not like changing around the boy to a girl, which is a nace which is Chutz Teva. So with these nace, these nace, you do say that the Bereshlam wants you to do them for, and he wants to do them. And in terms of number eight, it's very similar again to number four, that the idea of of the menorah being uh, that that's more, it could over trump even a tother is for the same same idea. Tother is a derisive concept. The mitzvah of menorah is not a derisive concept, but the tam of menorah is derisive. Pursuing Isa and Ashkach of Hashem and Hashem showing Himself 
and involving myself in Tatsal of Kaisal, that is an ikr. That's an ikr of, in the Yahada. And so that, which is part and parcel of the mitzvah, it's not, it's actually the part of the mitzvah, uh, uh, the way the mitzvah is shaped and formed, therefore it does have a deraisa, and it's not just a regular deraisa, it's even deraisa in terms of the, the, an ikr of Yahada, then it would be even more important than the raw halacha of Tadr, which is a deraisa, but of lesser importance. Thank you very much for all these riddles, and uh, thank you, Yamtas.